with me to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. We're continuing our study through the Gospel of Mark. Now, in this text, Jesus moves on from the, the region of Judea, and he comes, or, or Galilee, and he comes to Judea, and he is tested there by the Pharisees. They're always seeking to trap him with various questions, get him in a corner. This time they want to know where he stands on the matter of divorce. And in our brokenness, you know, this is a subject that brings up any hurts, arguments, and oftentimes confusion. The question of what does, what does God say? How do I understand? How do I work through the situations that are happening in my life and the lives of those around me? I'm so thankful that we have our Lord's response here. It's one of clarity and it's one of wisdom. And it's something that we, we need to hear. We need to hear as always with any subject with a desire to, to know what, what does he, our God say? What does my Lord think? And to seek to apply His Word to our lives. And so we're going to do that this morning. We're going to read the entire text to begin with. Mark chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. And He left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan, and crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. And Pharisees came up, and in order to test him, asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, What did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate and in the house the disciples asked him again about this matter and he said to them whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her and if she divorces her husband and marries another she commits adultery it's quite a lot quite a lot there But this text begins with a movement from Galilee and the region where Jesus has spent most of his ministry. And now to, he travels to Judea. It is nearing the time of some of the festivals. And he returns there to his custom of teaching the crowds. From this point on, 
Jesus' ministry, the miracles and the teaching, was finished in Galilee. Jesus' time on earth was coming to an end. His time even ministering in Judea will be coming to an end. But we have a series of teachings in the region of Judea, and this is the first one. In verses 1 and 2, he left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan, and crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. And as he was teaching them, verse 2, the Pharisees came up, and their purpose, the verse tells us, is to test him. And so they asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? The Pharisees planned to test Jesus by seeing where he stood on the matter of divorce. Now at this time, there were two prominent interpretations of the law on divorce. And the law on divorce and primarily found in Deuteronomy 24. And the followers of Rabbi Hillel taught that divorce was acceptable under any circumstances. You could say they were among the earliest proponents of, of a no-fault divorce. Okay? Doesn't matter what. If you wake up one morning and you don't like your wife, just get a divorce. Easy as that. In our world, we live in a world where that is very easy. It's easy to be divorced, to get a divorce. And so there's that side of the, the debate people coming. And we also have followers of Rabbi Shammai. They were much stricter. They considered divorce to be only valid under certain situations. So this is the context into which Jesus is asked the question and in which Jesus answers. When the Pharisees come to Jesus and say, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife, we should recognize that all sides agreed that some form of divorce was allowed by the law of God. Just read Deuteronomy 24. Let's see here. I'm going to flip here for a second. What does it say? Verse 1, When a man hath taken a wife and married her, and it came to pass that she finds no favor in his eyes because he's found some uncleanness in her, then let him write a bill of divorcement and give it to her hand and send her out of his house. When she's departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. And there it goes on further, giving various uh, uh, guidance. This was in the law of God. The question they were asking was, is it lawful to divorce for any reason at all? In fact, Matthew's account of this same, the same uh, question, the Pharisees come and they test, come to test Jesus. And in Matthew's gospel, it adds the phrase, is it lawful to divorce for any cause? 
for any reason. That's the context in which Jesus is answering the question. That is Matthew 19, verse 3. Parallel account. So the test is whether Jesus thinks divorce is always permissible. Jesus first establishes what the law says. Verse 3 of Mark chapter 10. He answered them, what did Moses command you? Okay. Let's hear what the Pharisees have to say. Verse 4, they said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. So the Pharisees all understood that God had said through Moses that a man was allowed to write a certificate of divorce and release his wife from that marriage, Deuteronomy 24, 1-4. The debate was, okay, then, uh, can a man divorce his wife for just any reason? What, what limitations should be put on that, if any? And that was the question that was being asked. Jesus gives his answer in verses 5 through 9. So let's read that together. Verse 5 of Mark 10. And Jesus said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. For from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh so they are no longer two but one flesh what therefore God has joined together let not man separate there are three parts to Jesus answer here First, he addresses the, the giving of the law. What is the law's provision as it regards divorce? And why was this law given? Jesus says that he wrote you this commandment because of your hardness of heart. According to Jesus, divorce was only allowed by God because of sin because of the sin in man's heart. Because of the sin that dwells within each and every one of us as human beings, as sons and daughters of Adam. And so a divorce certificate then functions as a protection against the effects of sin. as a way of minimizing the damage that flows from a hard heart that doesn't heed God or His ways. In that sense, we can say this is a good thing. All of the law is given for a good purpose. But it addresses issues because of sin. If it were not for sin, there would be no need for a law about divorce. This law would allow protection 
particularly for women who throughout most of history have been much more vulnerable to abuse and to neglect and to continuing today those same things we see. So the law has been given to protect against sin. But Jesus does not endorse here divorce for any reason, does he? He explains the reason the law has been given. We would recognize that it's a concession due to the the sin in this world in our own lives. Jesus upholds for us in Mark 10, uh, 6 through 8, the Lord's design for marriage, the Lord's intent, the Lord's purpose. Let's read verse 6 through 8. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. That's a wonderful, wonderful statement. The Lord's intention for marriage is not just a civil contract. It's not just a consensual agreement to live together and get get along as far as we can. It's not about me being happy. Though there is fulfillment in the marriage bond. God's design for marriage is far more good and far more beautiful. And we need to see that against the backdrop of sin, which means that there is need for laws about divorce. We need to see the goodness of marriage and continue to cling to that in a world of sin. And as we even recognize sin in our own hearts today, how that affects others and how it touches on all of our relationships. God designed marriage Himself to be a man and a woman leaving their parents to hold fast to each other and becoming one in a way that no other relationship can can capture. Nothing deeper or more intimate Where does this idea come from? It comes very clearly from the very beginning of creation. Jesus makes that clear. He quotes three scriptures from the book of Genesis. Genesis 1.27, God made them male and female, made them in His image and likeness. 5 verse 2, Speaking of a man leaving his father and mother. And the two shall become one flesh. Genesis 2 verse 24. 
Jesus does this to establish that from the beginning, God's design, God's intent for marriage was to be between one man and one woman joined together by God for life. This is a good thing. Marriage is the work of God himself. And it's meant to be binding for life. Something that we need to remember. So what does the Lord say? What does the Lord conclude in response to what he's said? He's laid out as a result of sin, there is need for law. Laws to protect. And he's laid out the Lord's design. A beautiful and perfect and good design for the marriage bond. The Lord concludes in verse 9, What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Let not man separate. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Jesus starts off here with the amazing truth that God is involved in the joining of every marriage. God isn't distant in the joining of two lives as one. He's involved. He's the one who instituted it and He's the one who brings Two together. And, and then Jesus says, in effect, in response to this, don't pull apart what God put together. Don't separate what God joined. Don't break what God made. I think it's important that we recognize that the provision of a lawful divorce, right and necessary as it is for there to be divorce at certain times, that even the provision of that does not make divorce a good thing. Because in every divorce, a good thing the marriage bond that is joined by God is destroyed. It's broken. Something that God made. And that's always something to grieve. That's something we have to work through in our lives and acknowledge that it's not the way that things ought to be. But in all of that, God remains a gracious and a faithful God. One that we can trust when He tells us, don't, as much as possible, do not separate what God has joined together. 
don't pull apart what He has put together. What He has planned. What He has purposed. Brothers and sisters, in most situations, that's all we need to know. That it's not okay for just any reason to give out a divorce certificate. That marriage is a union from God that's not meant to be broken. That's what we need to know in most situations. I want to say a few words to those that have never been married. Set out with the understanding of what God intends for you in in a marriage bond. That it is to be between one man and one woman for all of life. Make that commitment to God before marriage. Are you always going to be faithful? Are you going to fall at times? Okay. But commit to the Lord and ask Him for the strength to be faithful in that marriage bond. And make sure that your future spouse is on the same page with those things. It's easy to get excited to go ahead with something, but not to ask deep, serious questions about things like that. But then also, enter marriage with joy and hope, because it is a good thing. See it as that. See it as a blessing that God intended, that God instituted, This isn't just a man-made construct because it works. Because you can't have kids if you don't have one or the other. That's the secular thing. It's like, well, I guess you've got to have one or the other to... No, it's what God instituted. And it's a wonderful, good thing when God joins two lives together as one. And to see God at work in that. Think about those things if you've never been married. If you are now married, settle now that divorce is not okay for just any reason. You can rejoice in God's design for marriage, remembering that it is a good thing. Even in the brokenness of sin. Every married person that's ever lived, if they're being honest, has, has uh, had things with their spouse they wish were different. Even just that one thing that bugs you. But even with all of that, all of people's flaws, it's a good thing. And so we can be on guard as couples against temptation. And as much as you can, I would encourage you to spend time together with the Lord in prayer. Looking to the one who 
who brought you together. Because it's only as the Lord is a part of your relationship that you will be strong. Parents, it's a word for you. Teach your kids what God says about marriage. Again, that it's a good thing. In spite of the sin and the, the brokenness they've maybe experienced in their own lives. And what does God desire of them? Teach them about the goodness of the marriage bond and about faithfulness and commitment and sacrificial love that you know it's going to not feel like love every day when you're really loving somebody. You can teach them that very practically just in your own relationship with them. Ask them, do they feel like they love you every day? <laughs> no, they don't all of the time. But there's a bond there in a family. And we can love even when we don't feel like it. When we know the Lord who loves us. Help them walk on the rocks you've stumbled on. That's a simple message that Jesus gives here. Don't pull apart what God has put together. Marriage is good. Marriage is God's design and He puts people together. And divorce, it's a concession, it's a protection that's given because of sin. It's not meant to be the norm. But yes, there are times we are going to need to wrestle with when divorce is appropriate, when it's necessary. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 9, this uh, same conversation is recorded by Matthew, and Jesus there addresses sexual immorality as a broad term, a term that includes ideas like uh, adultery, sleeping around with someone else, but all sorts of lustful thoughts and acts are bound up in that. And Jesus speaks of sexual immorality there as a valid reason for divorce. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 13 through 15, that a a Christian is, um, who is married to a non-Christian should remain in that marriage. Still be committed. Because marriage is something that is good. But if the non-Christian spouse wants out of that marriage, Paul says that the Christian spouse is free for the sake of peace to let them go. And so he gives that exception saying in such a case, though it is good to remain together, 
if they don't want to and they don't believe in the Lord that we should not try and hold that bond together and there's freedom there in that marriage it's no longer bound these are the only two grounds for divorce that are laid out clearly and explicitly in the scriptures. And we should be careful about widening the list because God cares very deeply that we hold the marriage together, that it is not torn apart. But I will say, I think it's important to say that uh, it is consistent with the law of God that a situation where a woman or her children are in danger of physical harm, that this is a valid ground or neglect. The husband does not take care of them. They don't get food, keeps money from them. Situations like that, and there are many in this world, that that is a valid ground for separation, to protect against harm. And there are some who would say, well, no, 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 no. It doesn't say that especially in anywhere in Bible. And so we better not say that. And I would really caution against that way of thinking because we can do a lot of harm trying to hold something together that is just going to destroy not just that wife, but any kids in the relationship. And so there are those kinds of situations where we need a lot of wisdom. And as one fellow I was listening to, he's like, you know, what happens if a husband hits his wife once versus a few times over the course of six months or every single day? There can be a point where we a wife or a husband does what they can to hold the marriage together. Sometimes out of fear or maybe shame, people hold on too long. And they need to be given the, the grace and the freedom to, to uh, be allowed out of that marriage to not be bound in those situations and in situations like that where we need wisdom I always encourage if you know somebody experiencing troubles or you yourself are that you would come to the elders in the church that you would notify authorities if that's necessary especially in the case of a child then it becomes mandatory by law in Canada that Abuse is reported. And so that is a godly thing to do and to be, be mindful of that. But uh, Jesus in Mark's gospel doesn't get into these types of situations. He's laying out general, clear, biblical principles. It's not just okay to divorce for any reason and and we need to evaluate and consider 
and hold on to the marriage covenant as much as is possible. Because that's pleasing to God. There may be cases where a woman or a man is going to have to work with a difficult spouse and they're not going to have an easy time. The overarching principle that Jesus is teaching us is that divorce isn't okay for just any reason. It's not the second or the third option. It's the last one. Okay? The last one. We need to start by holding up marriage as a union from God and recognize it's not something to destroy on a whim. But Jesus now gives a clarification that brings up a whole host of other questions. In Mark chapter 10, verses 10 through 12. And in the house, so after the teaching has been done, the disciples asked him again about this matter. They have questions like we do. And he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. That's quite the statement. Whoever. And he talks about the man and he talks about the woman. Whoever divorces their spouse and marries another commits adultery against them. This is a very hard saying. Some. And it's not one that we should just be quick to go and find an out for. And go say, well, but I think there should be exception in my case. I don't think that should be our first, it soften our gut response. I don't think that should be where we go first. We need to see and take this with, with all seriousness for what it says. However, some take these words and teach that remarriage after a divorce is always wrong. Because it, Jesus doesn't qualify the statement here. It's similar to the first uh, verse, the first question that the Pharisees asked. They said, is it lawful to divorce? Well, Matthew adds, for any cause. Mark here doesn't add anything. There's no qualifiers. But I do think, in light of Matthew, that we should recognize Jesus is still speaking in the context of unlawful divorce. That clearly when a divorce is not lawful, if a man decides to just up and leave his wife for just because he likes another woman. That he's committing adultery. If you leave your spouse or someone else 
it's adultery. That, that's, that should be clear to us. That such a thing is not right. But in the case of a lawful divorce, I do believe the Scripture indicates there's freedom from that bond. The law itself allows for it in Deuteronomy chapter 24. And we know that elsewhere Jesus says that he did not come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it in every way. And so when we read uh, Deuteronomy 24.2, the woman's been given a certificate of divorce. And when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. There is freedom in the Lord. There's a provision made for that woman to receive Protect the protection and care of another man. And this would go in the case of a, of a man as well. If his wife left him for another, there is, is freedom there. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul indicates this where he speaks of the unbelieving spouse leaving and he says let them go don't don't fight it too much there but he says a brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases and so there are situations where i think we need to recognize that remarriage is acceptable Having said that, we also need to understand even after a lawful divorce, remarriage is not the first option, biblically speaking. It's not the first option. What do I mean by that? Well, again, if we look in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul gives a Great wisdom on a variety of topics related to marriage and singleness and divorce. And he says to the married, verse 10 of chapter 7, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And in verse 10 he says, Unto the married I command, and yet not I but the Lord, says this, let not the wife depart from her husband. But if she should depart or separate, let her remain unmarried, or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. And so, Paul there in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 11, says that the wife who is separated, and that in the, le the Roman legal system, separation was equivalent to a divorce. Okay? So, that that wife or, or that husband should remain unmarried first or reconcile if, if possible. The first option is not to go and get remarried. Whenever a separation, the breaking of what God has put together takes place, as a Christian, we have the responsibility before God to do all that we can to reconcile. And I think that's one of the reasons Paul is very 
clear when it comes to a, a Christian spouse and a non-Christian spouse being married, that the, the Christian spouse can't hold their unbelieving husband or wife to the same standard because they don't know the Lord. They don't know his forgiveness. They don't know his kindness. And so there is greater freedom in allowing that separation to take place. But as a Christian, our first responsibility is to reconcile, to seek that out. Because this is God's desire. Is that always going to happen? No. But according to Christ, that ought to be our first response. I understand this probably raises a lot of questions in your minds that maybe you're not answered here, at least not directly. There are answers in the Word of God, and I want you to know that. You might think, well, but my situation is so complicated, or my my family's situation, and, and I just don't know what to do or what to say or how to respond. But there are answers in the Word of God. And there are elders in this local gathering of believers that God's given who, who would gladly bring clarity and comfort and correction where it's needed to be a help. I am not a perfect interpreter of Scripture, nor am I always the most comforting person to go to. <laughs> but God has given us the body of Christ to uh, seek wisdom where it's needed, and He's given us the Word of God. So I hope that that gives you hope in your situation. I know this is a weighty topic, but I want to say a couple more things. If you've been divorced and you have much to grieve, and that's okay, that's good to acknowledge. You, you might have regrets about how you handled things been terribly hurt. And you may not have been at fault at all, really. I don't know the details of every one of our situations. But know that God does not abandon His people, even if you've been divorced. He's always faithful and He's always good. Even when our lives are falling apart, He's always faithful. He calls us to pursue reconciliation. But even when re reconciliation is not possible, to have forgiveness in our heart. And this because we know the forgiveness of God. Even for our part, the breakup of a marriage, or perhaps if you are married, you recognize the ways that you have alienated your spouse. 
you've hurt them. There's forgiveness in Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful for that. where we're in the wrong. The path forward, as with anything, is to repent. To turn from our sin and to confess to those who have been wronged and before God. To seek to reconcile with a person who's been wronged as much as we can. To receive wisdom from godly brothers and sisters where it's needed. And always to remember how merciful our God is. How gracious He he remains. To summarize, divorce was allowed by God because of sin. God's design for marriage is one man and one woman. Joined together for life. That is a good thing. Praise God. And this means that pulling apart what He has put together isn't okay. For just any reason. Wherever possible. Reconciliation. is the first first goal. The author of Hebrews wrote in Hebrews 13 verse 4, let marriage be held in honor by all. And so we ought to grieve the pulling apart of what God has put together that's all around us. The breakup of so many families touches on all of our lives. Now let's remember both the forgiveness of God and, and His grace in allowing there to be lawful divorce. And let's not pull apart what God has joined together.